But the Pharisees became all wineskins. The scribes became all wineskins. And they were always trying to entrap Jesus and his disciples. And that's what religion does. Religion is never open to the Holy Spirit, but they're more concerned about their traditions than the Word of God. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Thanks for joining us today in our continuing study of Mark's Gospel. Today, as Raul explores Christ's ongoing conflict with the Pharisees, you'll be driven to evaluate whether you are truly committed to Jesus or simply caught up in empty religious traditions. Stay with us here on Somebody Loves You Radio to see that God doesn't want you to settle for anything less than a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's join Raul Reese now in Mark chapter 7. This is kind of an interesting chapter uh, because all the way through the Gospel of Mark, the emphasis has been on Jesus, what he did uh, with his disciples and for the people. But now in this section that we're going to study tonight, uh, Mark records some of the important teachings of the Lord. But most of all, he's going to be speaking about the traditions of men. Now there can be good traditions, but a lot of times the traditions that men wants to keep, it's always going against the Word of God. And we have to be careful of that. Especially like Jay was sharing, you know, when you're uh, brought up in a Roman Catholic church, or you're brought up as a, a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or a Muslim, or some other religion, you have these traditions that have not only been borrowed from the Word of God, but they actually take it out of context. So that it becomes now, the authority is no longer on the Word of God, but the authority is upon the Word of men. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing when Jesus came to teach. And so chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, let's look at our lesson tonight. First of all, we have here Jesus teaching the Jews. He says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. So now, when they began to hear of all of the miracles and the wonders that Jesus was doing, the uh, actual governing uh, religious group, which were called the Sanhedrin, it was made up of 70 to 72 men. As a matter of fact, in Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, was one of those men in the Sanhedrin, the governing government of religion in Jerusalem. When they heard that Jesus was gaining popularity, and they heard of the miracles and the wonders that He was doing, they immediately set up a group of people from the Pharisees, which were the self-righteous, uh, and they actually went out to, to meet Jesus and they tried to entrap him in everything that he was doing. And then on the other side, you had the scribes. Now, what's interesting is that the Pharisees, they believed in the books of Moses. They believed in resurrection, they believed in angels, they believed in miracles. But the scribes did not believe like the Pharisees. The scribes were like the lawyers. They were the liberals. They didn't believe in the angels. They didn't believe in life to come. And they were very critical and radical in their beliefs. 
And they were actually the liberals of that time. So when Jesus saw them coming, he knew there were problems. And the problems would arise. And they're coming to challenge now the authority and the word of God as they're coming to Jesus. Verse 2. He says, And now when they saw some of his disciples eating bread with defiled hands, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault in them. Now, notice how critical religion can become. And maybe this is why in every generation, young people constantly rebel against religion. The hippies did in the early 60s and 70s. And many times when tradition is set up and people want to really be free and they're really searching for God, God always seems to bring about a group of young people that not only will become the next leaders of the church movement, but God will begin to do a tremendous work among the young people because even the church itself, like the Pharisees, become all wineskins and they're not open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think we have to really be careful with that. That no matter how old we get, that we will constantly be open to the Holy Spirit, how God wants to reach the young generation. But the Pharisees became all wineskins. The scribes became all wineskins. And they were always trying to entrap Jesus and His disciples. And that's what religion does. Religion is never open to the Holy Spirit, but they're more concerned about their traditions than the Word of God. And so Jesus here is confronted because His disciples are eating bread, but they're not washing their hands properly in an upper position so that the water doesn't run down to my elbow. Because if it does and it drops down, then I become unclean, you see. That was dumb. But yet, I mean, that was a lot to them. How can you do that? How can you eat without washing your hands properly as the law says? What law? The law of men, not the law of God. You see? So we need to be careful that we don't add to the word of God. And that we don't become people of God. That we start looking down on people that maybe God wants to use. And that God wants to change. And yet the Pharisees were so close-minded, they only had one thing in their mind, and that was tradition, you see. And then look what Jesus said. Verse 3, again, here we see it. He says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of who? Of the elders. Shemiah, Hallel, all these rabbis, you know, of the time. We got to do what they said. But what about the word of God? What did God say in his word? Notice they were more interested in tradition and ceremonies than they were in spirituality. I said. Now look at verse 4. This is pretty interesting again. And when they came to the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received in whole, like the washing of cups and pitchers and coppers and vessels and couches. Imagine that. I mean, they had all these weird things. You could be walking down the street. And let's say you're a leopard. 
and uh, lepers are unclean, and I would be actually sitting on your chair. And if I didn't know that you had been sitting there, and I'm a Pharisee, and I sit in your chair where there was a leopard before, where I, before I saw that chair, then I become unclean for that whole time. I become unclean in every way. And so they had this mentality in their minds, looking to the outward instead of looking to what? To the inward, you see? We need to be careful of that. The most important thing is not the outward traditions. It's what the inward, the heart. What is your heart? That's what counts. Because outwardly, anything can happen. But inwardly is where the soul lives. And where God deals with men. And so this is what he's really interested in. Verse 5. And then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him. And here's their question. Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands or unclean hands? And what does Jesus do? The answer that he gives to them, what does he do? He gives them the word of God. You see? Not his opinion. He quotes from Isaiah 29, 13. And he rebukes them. He says, look. This is, well did Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Imagine that. Isaiah the prophet 750 years before, before Jesus came. Isaiah the prophet already saw the heart of men. Especially the Pharisees. And he calls them hypocrites, actors. Men of many faces. Because they were such hypocritical in everything they did. They were always trying to impress men instead of impressing God. And that's something that we should never, never do. We should impress God more than men. And so he said, well, that Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written in Isaiah 29, 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Underline that. That's a very important, crucial scripture. Because how many people do you know today in the church or outside of the church that literally, like Jesus said here, he says, these people, they honor me with my lips. You know, you've heard people say, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. But he says, but their heart is so far away from God. So far away from God. When it comes to demonstrating the love and the grace and the mercy that God has given to them, they don't have it in their lives. They're totally hypocritical in what they do. In vain, he says, in vain they worship me. Notice that lip service is vain worship to God. Notice what he says here. It is vain that they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. You see? They're teaching what man says. And yet, for laying aside, what do they do? They take the word of God and they lay it to the side. They don't even care about it. They don't care about the authority of the written word of God. They're more concerned about traditions. How they can not only deal with their dogmas in the church. More than waiting upon God's spirit. And believing the word of God that God has given to each one of us individually. They downplay the word of God and they lay it aside. They don't even care about it. And here Jesus brings it up. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Be sure and visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165 for even more resources to help you enjoy a thriving relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
Later on, we'll offer you a book focused on the truly overcoming Christian life. But first, let's return to more of Rawls' teaching from Mark's Gospel. Verse 8 again. For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. And then he said unto them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. Notice that. They reject who? The word of God to keep tradition. And then in Mark 7, 10, notice again, he quotes from Exodus 20, verse 2, and Deuteronomy 5, 16. He says, for Moses said, now he said Moses because they respected Moses, you see. Moses was a great rabbi. And yet Jesus was a son of God, and they did not respect him. So what does Jesus do? He uses the word of God, and he goes back to the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Because this was what they believed in. This was the word of God, the Pentateuch. He says, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Notice that. Did you know that in the word of God, in the Old Testament, God established in his word where parents were to be highly esteemed and respected? We don't see that today. We're losing that. Did you know that in the Old Testament, in God's law, God set up a thing where the parents took care of the children. But when the parents got old and feeble, that not to put them in restrooms, but the children had the responsibility of taking care of their parents physically and financially. That's right. The Bible teaches that. And today, what do we see? A parent gets old and feeble and he can't really work anymore. And maybe he's going senile, whatever. And we institutionalize him. We put him in an institution. And we leave him there. And we don't take the responsibility of loving them and caring for them. It's pretty heavy. Now I know that some people have to be in a hospital. But many times if you do have to put your mother or father or grandfather or grandmother in a hospital. Make sure you don't forget them. Make sure you don't forget them. I go to these old people's homes and it's so sad to see so many old people sitting there, man, without anybody coming to visit them. Totally forgotten forever. So sad. Sad. And yet God's word declared that we were to what? To look after the parents. As the parents took looked after the children, the children after their parents. But here he's emphasizing the respect that the children are to have for the parents. And in that culture... If a child in a home had a rebellious child, my child was a juvenile, and he didn't want to obey me. And I told him, hey, you can't do this today, you can't go out. And he started cussing me out. And he started saying things that were evil to me or pushing his mother around. The mother and father had the responsibility to immediately take the child down to the city gates where the judges were. And they would say, this is our son or daughter. And she wants nothing to do with us. She even cussed us out and she pushed me around. And the others of the church would take a document. They would sign it and have the parents sign it. They would take the child outside of the city walls. They would line them up on the city wall. And the people from the city would come out with the parents. And they would take these big old stones and they would kill the child. They would stone him to death according to the law of God. Because God held his law very highly concerning the respect of children to their parents. You see? And here, 
in this whole situation that he's talking about is that it, it was actually taking care of your parents and providing for them. And that's why he's going to use the word Corbin here. Because what they were doing is say, well, I got all my money invested in the temple and I've given everything to God when they were spending it in themselves and they wouldn't even help their parents financially. You see? Verse 11. But you say... If a man says to his father or mother, Hey, whatever profit you might have received from me, it is Corbin. It's a gift of God. You see? That's what the word Corbin here used in this term. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or for his mother. You see? Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, And many such things you do, you see. So here, he's talking about the rejecting of the word of God. And then he's talking about robbing the word and the power that the word of God has over people's lives. Because of tradition. You see, because of tradition. Verse 14. And when he had called all the multitudes to himself, he said unto them, Hear everyone and understand. Now he's talking now to the crowd. He turns from the Pharisees and the scribes, and now he's talking to the crowd. And what he's saying, hey, listen, pay attention to what I'm going to say to you. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. So what is he going to do now? He's going to teach about the law of God, and he's going to actually reject the traditions of men. You see? Look what he's going to say. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the thing which comes out of him, those are the things that defile a man. What is he talking about? He says, eating and touching and washings doesn't defile anybody. Why? Because whatever you eat is going to come back out. He's going to tell you a moment. Okay, He'll tell you that too. But the thing about it is he's talking about the heart. You see, the heart. Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, know your hearts and search your hearts. You see, the problem is not with me outside. The problem is with my heart, how evil my heart is, the things that I say, the thoughts that I have, my actions against people. And so look what he says. He says, and when he called all the multitudes to himself, he said, listen to me again. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile him. And if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. And then he says this. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning this parable. Hey, what are you talking about, Lord? They didn't even understand it. These are his own disciples. And then he said unto them, Are you without understanding too? Hey, what's the matter with you guys? Notice that he's rebuking them. Don't you perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside can defile him? Because it does not enter his heart. But what? When you eat something, does it go into your heart? No. It goes into your stomach. And then what? Then it's eliminated. Thus purifying all foods. Making what? Making all foods clean. You see? That's the reason we have to go to the bathroom. I mean, I'll put it literally for you. Okay? Otherwise you get sick. But here is what God is saying. You see, it's not the physical, but it's a spiritual problem. It's what? The heart. And then watch what he says. This is so cool. 
Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and then it's eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And then he said, whatever comes out of a man, notice, defiles a man. From within, out of the heart of men proceeds what? Evil thoughts. You look at a person, you wish they were dead. Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lunas, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And then what does it say? All these evil things come from what? From within the defile of men. Where do they come from? From the heart of men. From within. And so he makes it very clear to them that the problem is a heart problem with men. Not tradition. It's not washing and cleaning and all these things. It's the heart, the problem. Then in verses 24 to 30 now, the casting out of another demon here. And from there he got up and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon is up by Lebanon as he's moving now into what? He's going from Jewish territory into Gentile territory. And remember that the Jews hated the Gentiles. They hated them. And again, look what he says. He's entering into a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. So everybody knew, hey, the fame of Christ was everywhere. And then a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, she was demon-possessed, heard about him, and she came and she fell at his feet. So here's a mother that's concerned about her daughter, but she said, what? She's a Gentile, and Jesus has nothing to do with Gentiles. Why? Because he's a Jew, you see? But he's the son of God. And he's going to teach a great lesson here now. Notice deep, deep troubled woman coming to Jesus. Because the woman was a Greek. A Phoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Hey, and notice what he says to her. Let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs or to the puppies or household puppies in the Greek here. Notice that. And you say, well, what does that have to do with demon possession? Nothing really. But he's trying to teach her a lesson as he's drawing her in to submission. And he sees her heart that she really wants to worship Jesus. You see? Watch what happens. Verse 28. And she answered. Notice. She answered and said to Jesus, Yes, Lord. You see? She's submitting herself to the will of God. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs, the whole house puppies... Under the table, eat from the children's crumbs. Notice that. They had savage dogs, wild dogs, and then those household puppies. He says, and then he said unto her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Because the mother submitted herself and humbled herself before the Lord. What did he do? He healed her completely. Notice that. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review today's lesson, simply call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you an unedited version for a donation of $5 or more. When you make your request, ask for Raul's message from Mark chapter 7. Well, we hope you've been challenged by today's reminder that God sees your heart and He isn't fooled by empty religious displays that aren't grounded in genuine devotion. 
To help spur you on in a life well-lived for Christ, we'd like to tell you about Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. In this resource, Rawls draws parallels between his Vietnam War experience and the spiritual warfare we all encounter as Christians. You'll see that when you genuinely commit your life to the Lord, you can stand in the strength of Jesus' name and wield the mighty weapon of God's Word. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. We'll send your copy for $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. If you'd like to order this resource by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We also encourage you to access all of our free Somebody Loves You resources. Join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific for Straight Talk, a Q&A program offering biblical wisdom for navigating life in a God-honoring way. And if you've missed a previous lesson from Rawl, every one of these programs can be downloaded as a podcast using Spotify and iTunes. And you can also download our free app to your iPhone or Android for even more Bible-based teaching and a convenient link to our online resource store. This ministry is made possible because of your continued prayers and financial support. Every contribution you make to Somebody Loves You Radio helps us reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And of course, every gift is tax-deductible. Well, it's our joy to study God's Word with you, and we hope you'll make plans to be with us again next time as we continue in Mark's Gospel. As we meditate on Christ's miracle-working power, we'll see that our Savior's actions were never self-serving, but always grounded in His astounding love for the lost, sinful, and needy. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.